You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The car feature. Well, today we step out of the car and we get onto the motorcycle. Um, and we're looking at biker safety on our roads and how we can increase the safety of uh, bikers. And uh, we're speaking this afternoon to Hein Yonker. He's the founder and chief instructor of uh, the Safety Institute of South Africa, the Motorcycle Safety Institute of South Africa. It's imperative that bikers get training on our roads because research findings say that of accidents that involve uh, bikers, accidents that involved that involved motorcycles 74 percent um it was found that it was the biker's fault so if you're going to stay safe we need to have the adequate training out there and when i put this out the reaction that it got as well suggests that there is some kind of tension and friction v in Rodeport says bikers are no different to taxi drivers azania um they break most of the rules of the road and worse still people respect bikers like they are kings of the road and he adds an angry face emoji there so there is some kind of tension and then we got another message um from someone who was hit by a motorcyclist who had skipped the traffic light and um who refused to uh, share details give him the, his details unless other motorists who stopped to assist co- and, until other motorists stopped to uh, and coaxed him to do so no license um an id was there but he ended up leaving before the ambulance uh, would arrive, probably because there was no license at all. Um, and th- he had no visible injuries, luckily. So um, that's the view of uh, one person saying they weave, skip traffic lights and yields. Um, they don't stop at stop streets and just generally um, scare the crap out of me when they fly down on the, the uh, oncoming lane. So after that incident, he's now quite jumpy around motorbikes. Can they not just adjust to the rules of the road, expresses um, this person in frustration at the end of that WhatsApp. So um, there is a tension, I think, between all all road users, different types of, of vehicles. Um, there is a tension between drivers, but we've got to make sure that uh, we we follow the, the the rules of the road, but also the training that is available. Let's join Hein now um, to better understand what the challenges are. Hein, good afternoon. Hi, afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I mean, those messages just suggest that there is a tension. It's not. Um, I don't think anybody particularly behaves well on the roads. But this afternoon, the focus is on bikers, and these two testaments suggest that they are problem areas. What have you found? Well, um, you know, like you said earlier, it, it cuts. I think it cuts both ways mm-hmm. on the fence. Uh, the fact that. You have that one in a family that always brings the family to shame. And yeah, you have it on the, the side of the fence for other road users and on the side of the fence for motorcyclists or bikers. Yeah. You have people that just, um, and it's, and it's a character trait. In other words, the person that uses a public place or public road, um, inconsiderately is just, I don't know, it's very selfish, and um, you know, I don't want to really pinpoint uh, his character, but the people who use a public place uh, as if it belongs to them really, I think, should rather use uh, public transport. 
Uh, yeah, whether they're in a car or a bike, yes. Yeah, with yeah, that kind I mean, of attitude, I hear you. Um, Actually, it's all about attitude and respect of other people around you. you know? mm, mm. Well, you guys shared these um, the, these interesting research findings, um, the research that mentioned the 74% of uh, mm. bike accidents where it was the fault of uh, the, the, the biker. What do you believe are the contributing factors to most of these road oh. crashes that involve bikers? Yeah, we did this uh, this for a period of four years uh, where we collected uh, motorcycle crash and collision data from repeatable sources such as your road traffic um, authorities, paramedics, ambulance services, SAPS, and so on. And of all these crashes, um, we probably investigated nearly 400, just over 400 of them. And uh, yeah, 70, over 74% of these collisions or crashes could have been avoided and further research shown on the actual investigations conducted that, um, yeah, uh, that the, the, the fault of this collision or crash was that of the, of the rider. Mm-hmm. And the uh, contributing factors are um, wrong speed in the wrong place, uh, lack of training, lack of anticipation, um, we enjoy riding motorcycles and you can very easily get into a place where it's so enjoyable that you forget about your, the circumstances that you ride in. Mm. And then these things happen. So, yeah, speed is, is one of those things. What, what, how, fast, how fast can riders go? I, now that we're here, how fast can they go? How uh, fast they can go and how fast they're allowed to go are two different things. Yeah, okay, right? let's say allowed. <laughs> allowed. I think it's as, as far as your ego would go, you know. Um, speed, when you speed in traffic where uh, the, the law says 120, and I'm you know, still, as we see, anyone buying a motorcycle to stick to a speed limit, huh. unless you're unable to because of the limitations on the motorcycle, but... Um, people push the limit. They push the envelope and see how far they can get away with this throw because once that blood starts pumping, uh, the only way to get rid of it or to feed that monster is, is to go faster. And now there are bikes out there, uh, on, on the road bikes that are out there that can go way past 300 kilometers an hour. Hmm. So, yeah, that's a hell of a speed. It's, it's, a, it's a question of, you know, uh, also the fact that uh, we've got speed limits posted all over our roads in the country, mm-hmm. 120, 60, 80 or whatever. And sometimes these speed limits can even hurt us because you would be riding at 60 kilometers an hour, but the situation that you ride in doesn't warrant that speed even. You need to slow down even further so that you give yourself time to respond and to react to these ever-changing conditions that you are riding your motorcycle in. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so uh, purely sticking to the speed limit might not even help you. It's your mindset. The person's mindset as to, um, you know, getting to my end destination um, alive. And, and if you want to push the envelope and push the limits, then go to a racetrack where uh, the conditions are to a point controlled. So if you do uh, crash, yeah. then you don't involve other traffic and other people around you. Mm, if you want those kind of thrills and to push those kind of uh, speeds, absolutely. But I want to understand what you have found to be the common path to riding. I was reading your own story and you've been riding for what, more? how many years now? Over 35 Uh, years? 35, 36, 7 years or something like that. Yeah, which is a long time. But, you know, just Mm. the path to people getting into riding, because I suspect that part of that path is how training and skills development in riding 
can go, um, can, 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 they, they would ride without any proper training? Yeah, see, you can get taught by friends and family, and sure, uh, not everyone has the finances to go and pay for a proper rider training course. Um, they might be able to get up to a license, and then a lot of people, a lot of riders think that once he has his license, he doesn't need any further training. And only a few years later, when he's a bit more mature, does he realize, listen, maybe I should go for some courses because I find myself every now and then before a bend, I find myself breaking a lot. Mm. Or I find myself every now and then dodging a car. Uh, it's because you're maybe going too, too, too fast for the situation that you're in. So um, training is, is, is a vital point, And there are riding schools across the country uh, that we uh, support and endorse to conduct these courses um and yeah um, your first step would be to go and get a learner license for a motorcycle and then uh approach a riding school near you to get some basic training going before you get on a bike and ride and important enough is also uh, i'd say that once a year once every two years you need to do a refresher right right because uh, traffic changes uh it can get more congested or you might have moved from a quiet little town uh, to a more busier city and all of a sudden the risk is so much higher the dynamics changes every second and if you're not prepared for that then you need to go and get some training done and mm-hmm. now we're running up with the holiday season and we've seen quite a few folks the training actually taking a, 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 a drop because of people want to get out and ride not necessarily go and pay for a training course and uh, holiday season coming up now, and you have more congested roads, more people maybe impatient to get to their destinations on time to, to get started with this holiday. And um, the riders are in between there with their motorcycles in that mix. Mm. Um, and you don't necessarily have the skills, or you've got skills that's maybe a couple of years old, and you've gotten to this uh, la land or comfort place where you don't learn anymore when you ride. You just ride for the sake of riding. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Training is really is, is, is so important. Well, look at some of the mistakes that you have found amongst riders. But let's first take a break. My guest is Hein Jonker, the founder and chief instructor um, of the Motorcycle Safety Institute of South Africa. 702. The car feature. Nicholas has given us a call as we talk about bike safety, rider safety on our roads. Um, Hein, please stay listening because we got, we've got the founder and the chief instructor of Motorcycle Safety Institute of South Africa with us, Hein Jonker. Hello, Nicholas. Hi there. Yes, welcome. Hi there. Sorry, it's just one statement that kind of boiled my blood a little bit earlier that I heard. Um, that 75% of the accidents on the road most of the accidents from bikers on the road, 75% of them is the biker's fault. 74% as... Uh, 74%. Yeah, Hein was giving us the background as to how they conducted it, analyzing past accidents. Um, I've... I've sorry, that, that, that statement kind of boils me a little bit. The reason why is I've been riding for 29 years and only... Oh, sorry, racing for 15 and riding on the roads for the last five. And the only time I've ever been affected in any way by or in an accident way is when another driver is either trying to overtake me when I'm when I'm doing uh, the speed limits or a driver is trying to come into my space. At no point has any of the, my friends, the riding um, community that I'm with, or um, bikings for in Pretoria. I even asked them. They said. No, the biker is not at fault. Maybe somebody that is not trained, which I did hear the, um, the guest, mm-hmm. guest say, 
uh, did you hear your guests say that? Um, if they are not trained, yes. If they don't know what to do in the in the moment, it can it can get a little bit squiggly. But if it is ninety percent of the time, it is not the bike's fault because the bike biker knows how to ride. Okay, Nicholas, let's get a response from Hein on that. He wants to challenge uh, the fault, the, the the finding that uh, there is such a high prevalence of uh, the biker being at fault. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, that figure is based on, uh, like I said earlier, on uh, four years of uh, data analysis mm. and the investigation of just over 400 um, accidents or collisions. Yeah. And um, yeah, that 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 percentage comes from the general from the uh, bigger amount of of uh, data that we analysed, and but more so from the over 400 uh, crashes or collisions that we've investigated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, most of them were speed related in urban urban scenarios, uh, rural and 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 uh, freeway uh, incidents were in the lesser of, of of these figures, but the majority of that were in urban urban areas. And yep, the figure um, sounds very high and very unrealistic. But um, our stats and the data that we have available uh, and these information, the information from these collisions and crashes, Mm -hmm. were all pulled from very reliable uh, government resources, SAPS, uh, road traffic authorities, Mm -hmm. paramedics, uh, ambulance services. And those are only the figures from the collisions or accidents that we managed to get data on. If the data was insufficient, it would, it would not be included in our in our report or in our final analysis. Yeah, thank you for that, Hein. Thanks for the call, Nicholas. Let's go to Ted, uh, who also wants to comment. Hi, Ted. Good day, other new guest. Good, welcome, Ted. Thank you. So, a couple of things from from my side. I think. Okay, so let me start with some context. I've been riding since 2012. Um, luckily, so far, I have not been in any accidents involving other bikes or other cars. I have fallen once or twice. <clears throat> Uh, that was my, due to my own stupidity, mm. um, but no accidents. Um, there is a case to be made on both sides of this coin. Car, uh, people in cars, I know, always complain when bikes go past them, especially on the freeway or dual carriageways, and the next thing is just a loud pipe and boom, and the bike has gone past you. Mm. Um, lane splitting itself is legal. Lane splitting being where like bike goes in between, for example, two cars that are driving in the same direction and a bike goes in between those cars. That act in itself is legal, but there's a manner in which it should be done. Uh, The weaving part, that sort of makes it illegal. That is wrong. But lane splitting itself is legal. And I know a lot of motorists complain. Why do bikes do that? That is not legal. They shouldn't be doing that. It is very legal. Okay. Uh, as you say, uh, it's a look from both sides. Ted, thank you for weighing in. Um, let's go to Tasha next with something I also wanted to touch on. Tasha, you're in Edenvale. Good afternoon. Hi, Azania. Just a quick question. The statistics yeah. of the 74%. I'd love to know how many of those were these guys that's driving around delivering food and stuff like that. Mm. Because those are not bikers. I have lost friends, dear, dear friends, because of people in cars. Last year, my boyfriend got into a bike accident. And the crosswalk, I might add, okay, there was four bikers in the same hospital with him. And every single one of those guys that was in hospital with broken femurs were because of cars, not because of what the bikers did. In fact, three of them were stationary and they got hit by cars. So I would love to know how many of that 74% was 
delivery vehicle drivers because those are not bikers. You Tasha, and I both know that. Let's go into the direction. Um, I want to listen to these voice notes as well that uh, raise questions around delivery uh, riders as well. Take a listen, Hein. Hi, as I and your guests. Guest, there is a new crop uh, to add to the bikers. What about the delivery bikes? They will ride behind you. They don't give you space. They keep robots. They don't stop at stop signs. They are just too impatient. Those they need to be regulated too. As I see, I hear you talking about the motorbikes and all. Ah, uh, but we have to talk about those delivery guys who are driving these motorcycles. Ah, uh, as are those people? Ah. Uh, they don't follow rules at all, and I don't think they have uh, necessary license licenses to 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 do that. Uh, those people, they are very dangerous. I'm telling you. Hmm. Share your thoughts, Hein, because I know that you've also raised your concerns around um, this just mushrooming of uh, delivery vehicles or delivery bikes on our roads, and what this has meant, in fact, about uh, questions around safety. Yeah, just to get back to uh, the guy who was talking, talking about uh, lane splitting, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was Ted earlier. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, it definitely is an appropriate maneuver by motorcycles, and it is allowed by law. It is in the way that you do it that makes it illegal, uh, yeah. not necessarily the fact that you are lane splitting, but if you do sit next to another vehicle in the same lane for any period of time, uh, overtaking, taking, making overtaking too long, then that becomes illegal. Um, crossing over solid white lines while you do a lane split, mm. that becomes illegal. And also when it can be seen by traffic authorities as an irresponsible or risky m- maneuver, uh, in other words, making it uh, dangerous to other road users. But the actual act of filtering or lane splitting is allowed uh, if it's done in, uh, in a proper, safe, prudent manner considered to, to, to other road users, but buzzing mm-hmm. past other traffic with loud exhaust pipes and making them lose control over the vehicle, again, that becomes inconsiderate, it becomes reckless, mm-hmm. and, and therefore for that, for that case, um, it's, it's, it becomes illegal. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yes, like I said earlier, you have these elements that, uh, that uh, execute these lane splits or filtering in that manner and um, it really agitates uh, other road users and also it agitates uh, us as well on motorcycles to see people abusing that uh, privilege in, in such a way. Now, as, as far as the uh, delivery riders are concerned, yes, um, the majority of that figure of um, 70, 75, 74% um, definitely comes from the delivery riders in this country. Mm. I've done extensive articles on this with other mediums, um, even New York Times, who had an um, investigation into an article going into this uh, phenomena in South Africa. Mm. And uh, yes, the majority of those uh, crashes and collisions are from or were from um, del- delivery, food delivery or messenger bikes.
Mm, I was commenting earlier that you often sometimes see a lack of personal protective equipment, in fact, uh, as far when people come and deliver the goods. And you just quickly have an observation of how are they managing the phone? Where is it located? So this speaks to distraction, a level of distraction while on the bike because they're following a, a navigation. And then over and above that, you see a lack of uh, personal protective equipment. This is mm-hmm. This needs to change. Yeah, see, sometimes this is not the fault of that particular uh, operator. Yeah. You know, it could be uh, if they if they contract or employed by said company, then uh, it's the company's responsibility to make sure that these riders are properly equipped for uh, for these uh, services they need to render. Mm. Uh, or not just that, but also in a proper image, because a public part of the company's brand. Mm-hmm. But and also the maintenance of the motorcycle. But in most cases, I'm not going to mention names of certain uh, companies that uh, use um, messenger or food delivery uh, riders. But uh, most of these times, uh, these riders are contract. In other words, they own the motorcycle. Yeah. And uh, yes, they are uh, exploited in a way that they they uh, uh, I mean, a life of a motorcycle rider or the delivery rider is worth less than the item that they are delivering. Mm. Because it's said that they need to deliver this promptly and the customer is in a rush and um, then this uh, person needs to try and break certain rules and regulations and the physics uh, of speed and then put themselves in danger for a piece of food. It's just because the consumer was impatient or the employer um, makes a demand that is unrealistic in those conditions. And if anyone wants to challenge a food delivery rider, I challenge you to get on the bike yourself and see if you can get that item delivered in the same time, in the same conditions, without having a heart attack. Oh. Yes, these guys take take chances. They take chances with uh, insufficient riding gear, and there are organisations out there that collect second-hand riding gear and try and pass it on to these guys to uh, help them equip themselves a little bit more better for the content yeah. that they are running every day. And uh, yes, there are a lot of them that are just oblivious to the fact or to the risk that they are uh, facing by compromising with mm. their safety gear. Mm. In other words, riding with the helmet halfway up the head, for instance, not tying it down. I mean, I can tell you stories of, of uh, crash scenes that we've looked at uh, where you could clearly see why this happened, why this person passed away, uh, or mm. why he lost a limb because of uh, um, ignorance. Yes. to the risk that they are operating these bikes and because they are pushed for income because sometimes this person is the only breadwinner for the family that he's trying to look after and he's being put under tremendous pressure um, to, to, to kind of make that delivery and, and commit, uh, make his commitments to his family. Mm. Hein, unfortunately we're out of time and it is such a hot topic. We have so many WhatsApp, yes. so many voice notes, so much concern as well. Every time it comes to road safety, we know mm. South Africans are very concerned. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Hein Jonker, the founder and chief instructor of the Motorcycle Safety Institute of South Africa.